There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Well, the beaches were absolutely jammers yesterday. Couldn't get near Myrtleville. Uh, Fountainstown just as bad It's great to see the crowds Flocking to the beach But nightmare trying to get down there And trying to get out of it And I think the tide is up In the evenings this week Which makes it a perfect week For a swim An evening swim in, in Fountain Or Myrtle or any one of those places If you If you can get there Glorious, glorious weather Going to continue for the next uh, couple of days I'm looking at my apps and stuff into Monday even well there'll be a dramatic fall in temperatures Sunday into Monday or Tuesday but still nice and pleasant <clears throat> into the early days of next week Kevin says then God help anybody working in this uh, employers need to make sure staff have plenty of breaks and lots of water and that's absolutely true morning all Thursday it's going to get up today 28, 29 possibly 30 degrees around Cork City and County in the more sheltered of areas. And there is a weather warning coming into effect from midday that runs until Sunday. Now, these are new ones on me. Excuse me. Weather warnings in in the wintertime. Storms and hurricanes and all that rain. Sorry, I had a frog in my throat. We had a minute. All those things, you associate them with winter. You, You don't necessarily associate weather warnings with summer time and, and, and all this. So that's new. That's new. Let's talk for a few minutes if we can to uh, Cahal Nolan uh, from Ireland's Weather Channel. Cahal, good morning to you. Very good morning, PJ. This, this is new to me. I, re- I remember uh, the top of it during the week, 1995, we had a very hot August as well. And a few years ago, we had a hot spell in June or so. I don't remember weather warnings. Is this a new thing? <laughs> 
I suppose you wouldn't remember weather warnings really, to be honest. I think the weather warning system that we've become accustomed to has really only come into its advent since around about 2013, 2014. So certainly for this time of the year, I would say it's probably the first period of time in which we've had weather warnings for particularly hot weather during the month of August. I think previously the last time we saw such temperatures or such an extended spell of, let's say, hot temperatures would have been, I think, back in 2006. We would have had very hot weather back then in August of that year. But subsequently since, I think any of the hot spells that we've seen, they've typically come either at the end of spring or certainly into the first half of the summer yes. season. So during the months of June or maybe the first half of July. So it's certainly it's a little bit, I suppose, out of the ordinary in that sense, yeah. going by the last, let's say, couple of decades that we've seen. Summer was late arriving this year because I remember being at the Elton John concert on the 1st of July with a jumper on and I thought no this is this is mad and here we are now at the other end of the summer and we we're, we're, we have whether you normally would expect in, in, our, in late June or late July it certainly was the case. You're right in saying that the first half of the summer was particularly disappointing. I certainly temperature-wise was very disappointing. Precipitation-wise, would have came in around about average, maybe slightly above average in one or two locations. But overall, it was a particularly poor start to the summer this year. Um, but we're certainly seeing a pickup, as you said, through the second half. We obviously had that exceptional spell of hot temperatures during July. I suppose it was a very brief spell, really. It's yeah. Those high temperatures only lasted for the best part two, three days, really, in many locations. This one's a little bit more prolonged. Would have started, I suppose, the end of last weekend, started this week, and it's likely to continue up until the very early days of next week as well. What's the official definition of a heat wave? <laughs> The official definition of a heat wave is a period of time, I believe, where it extends beyond five days with a temperature of 5 degrees Celsius above average for the time of year. So looking at the spell that we're looking at at the moment, we're likely to reach official let's say, heat wave conditions into the weekend at that particular point in time. Um, but we have experienced, we could say, heat wave temperatures up to this particular point in time already, and that will certainly be the case again today. Now, the, the models and the apps that I look at are telling me a dramatic drop in temperatures in the early days of next week, but the weather still to remain quite pleasant. Is that what you're seeing? <laughs> Um, possibly <laughs> depends on your location to be brutally honest uh, as we go into the early days of next week what we will see as you're right we will see a drop back in the temperatures now they don't look like they'll fall back to below average values they'll probably come in around about average so you're talking about temperatures maybe 19 to 22 degrees Celsius as we go into the early days of next week the big change that we're likely to see certainly through I believe through Sunday initially though we keep higher temperatures on Sunday and through Monday and Tuesday is that we're likely to see greater levels of instability in the atmosphere. The high pressure that's been in place will be replaced by lower pressure. <laughs> there won't be too much in the way of rain-bearing weather systems or fronts, let's say, but what we will see with that instability is an increased risk of heavy tundra downpours, certainly through Sunday afternoon in parts of Cork, and then as we go on into Monday and Tuesday as well, <laughs> we'll have northeasterly winds, unstable conditions, and still a lot of heat still lingering about from the, the heat wave conditions that the, we've the, experienced. Those, those kind of really, really heavy showers Hours that you can get when heat breaks at this time of the year. They're, they're, they're actually, if, if no one's ever seen them, you know, they're quite spectacular. It, it can chuck it down. They certainly are spectacular. It can lead to a quite amount of precipitation falling in a rather short period of time, which again brings its own risks too, especially maybe if the ground is hardened up that little bit as well. It can lead to a risk of flooding in some parts. I know particularly some of the heat wave conditions that we would have experienced, let's say, even through 2000 and 
2020, I think it was, 2019, yeah. in parts of Cork, we obviously had the particularly severe flooding from thunderstorms that we would have seen in West Cork after that particular hot spell. Um, so something to keep an eye on, I suppose, yeah. for those particular locations that maybe are a little bit hilly or a little bit valley where you get a lot of this kind of excess water running off pretty quickly. So just something to be aware of. And the ground's as hard as bone, which means that the water just bounces off it won't be absorbed. Exactly. It, it, it isn't absorbed straight away. It certainly has a tendency to, to run off at that particular point in time, which, as you said, can lead to swell into the rivers pretty quickly in some dangerous conditions. So, again, hit and miss in terms of its locations. It can't say categorically that the curb, but the risk probably exists through Sunday afternoon and into the early days of next week. You and I have talked previously, Cahill, about the kind of Punch and Judy show between weather systems that determines how we work out. This is a case, isn't it, of the European heat winning at the moment uh, and and the Atlantic trying to regroup to take over again uh, that's kind of where we are right now. Europe is dominating our weather and Europe is very, very very hot at the moment Europe is exceptionally hot at the moment so heat wave conditions have been in place in many parts of Europe I suppose even as far back as April we would have spoke about it I think during the, the last couple of months as to why Europe was so hot and we were so cold let's say, or, or overcast or, or we, had, we had such heavy rain and certainly Europe is experiencing I think it's the strongest heat wave for, for the past 500 years I think is the, the figures that are coming in at the moment and it's unlikely to break across many parts of southern Europe in particular you might see a brief lull maybe in parts of western Europe but overall the conditions across Europe are, are pretty extreme at the moment in terms of the longevity the drought conditions in many parts mm-hmm. and the extremities in terms of the temperature now ourselves we've obviously as we said experienced maybe cooler conditions more inclement throughout the summer but we're certainly seeing the influence of the conditions that have been prevalent in the continent now during this heat wave and of course that plume of very hot air which came up from Europe as well during that heat wave in July too so um, certainly it's it's been a greater influence for the second half of the summer whether or not that influence will I suppose re-exert itself after this breakdown yeah. towards the early days of next week it remains to be seen might be the case that we see a pick up again in conditions as we go through the end of August but a little bit too far out to be sure yet Yeah I was reading an article overnight um, someone looking into September and, and suggesting that well if the heat wave continues in Europe into September, it will continue to drift up. It's a British article, drift up across Britain, and you know, obviously by, by default, we we get a bit of it as well. September could end up being being very, very pleasant and very, very dry. In terms of dealing with the heat, Cahill, um we heard yesterday that one of the things you can do is if you keep your bedroom relatively cool, close the window, close the curtains, and close the door during the day and do not let the hot air in. Would you go along with that? I suppose in those circumstances what they're getting at there is that you limit the amount of sunlight, direct sunlight coming into the room. So if you keep, I suppose, if you try to keep the room well ventilated, I think is a key thing. So even in the rest of the house, if you could close the curtains, close the blinds, prevents the sunlight from coming in. It keeps it a little bit cooler, but maybe keep the doors open, I would have said myself, in the rest of the house, let's say, so you keep a little bit of air moving around inside. Um, but the key thing, I think, uh, Irish homes are really not designed to keep the heat out. No. <laughs> They're designed to keep the heat in. So I think <clears throat> I think in those circumstances, keeping the blinds closed, keeping curtains closed is good because otherwise what happens is if you keep the windows closed and you, you obviously let the light come in, then you start to see a greenhouse effect, basically, where yeah. the house becomes 
becomes uh, boiling essentially and it's impossible to, and it's to maintain just, you know, with, with, those. with moderate levels of insulation and, and triple glazing and all these things we put in when we do a bit of refurb should the house should be like an oven in, in weather like this our, our buildings are designed to keep heat in not let it out that certainly is the case I mean typically Ireland we don't tend to see conditions like this it's obviously becoming a little bit more prevalent I believe but and that probably is likely to be the case if we look at the the latest guidance and the latest mm. scientific evidence with regards to climate change but no you're right absolutely our homes are typically designed to keep heat in for the majority of the year that's the sole purpose of the as you said the extra layers of insulation in modern technologies let's say with installations and double glazing and whatnot so it can lead to pretty uncomfortable conditions when we see these extended spells of hotter temperatures. Now I've been saying for a while over the last few weeks Cahal you know it is possible to as I do myself personally love this weather but also to realise that it's a symptom of climate change. It it is possible to, to know the two things. How much of what we're having this summer is evidence to you as a weather expert? that our climate is changing drastically? I suppose in terms of in terms of weather, climate, it's difficult and sometimes it's contentious to attribute such things specifically immediately to, to climate change. What we can say categorically for sure is the heat wave conditions that we saw during July, the plume of very hot air. And if we look at the exceptional heat that was experienced in the UK, the attribution studies, the early stages of that have already been, have already been complete. What the evidence shows for that particular system and setup was that that heat wave or that plume of exceptionally hot air, it was meant 10 times more likely as a result of anthropogenic climate change vis-a-vis if that weren't to be the case and we were just relying on natural conditions. So the conditions that we've experienced certainly across the European continent and of course during that brief but intense spell of hot weather during July is that it certainly can be attributed to climate change without regards and it probably is a taster of things to come. I mean personally speaking growing up looking at the evidence or looking at past weather data I personally wouldn't have envisaged seeing temperatures in excess of 40 degrees Celsius in parts of the UK. It would have seen a figure that was just beyond the norm, let's say, and certainly it is beyond the norm. So mm. it's it's really only a matter of time before we start to see temperatures or all-time record temperatures been broken. We got exceptionally close this time, yeah. reaching 33.1 degrees Celsius, where the record was 33.3 degrees Celsius. So, But really, over the next couple of summers, it seems very likely that those temperatures will be exceeded yeah. at some point in time. We're looking at possibly high 20s, low 30s for Cork the next couple of days, would you think? Certainly is the case. I suppose the high temperatures are likely to be found that little bit inland coastal areas when you have these high temperatures could be the onset of a sea breeze and keep it that one or two degrees a little bit cooler, which is absolutely very welcome, I think, during these particular hot spells. So I think it could be a, a mass exodus of the city at times out towards the coast, which is understandable. Um, but in general, temperatures across the county into the high 20s and places, possibly pushing above 30 degrees during maybe more of the, I suppose, the inland locations and maybe hanging around about 25, 26 degrees as around the coastal fringes then. Mm. All perfectly uh, enjoyable, but certainly unusual for the time of year. Thank you very much, Cahill Nolan of Ireland's Weather Channel. Certainly a few very hot ones ahead. Today, tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. Like you said, a possibility of those thunder showers Sunday into Monday. And they are spectacular. If you've never seen them, if you're a bit young to remember the last time we had really hot weather in August, um, when it breaks, it can break through thunderstorms and they are hot and heavy. It's almost hot rain when it comes down. It's quite spectacular actually, but it can flood very easily because the 
ground is like bone. The beaches were packed yesterday. The dock beach in Cove, someone says, like, like being in Ibiza, there was music and just party atmosphere and all of that. Were you at the beach yesterday? What was it, what was it like? And by the way, there's a warning out there to be careful of a thing called weaver fish. Now, I've never come across these little devils, um, but I know a lot of people who have. The weaver fish is practically invisible. He's tiny. And he sits and lies under the sand, just under the sand, in shallow water, warm, shallow water. Of course, there's a lot of warm, shallow water around at the moment. And if you get stung by a weaver fish, which you can just by walking on him, uh, I guess if you walked on me, I'd sting you too. But if you get stung by a weaver, the pain, I'm told, is like nothing you've ever experienced. And it can be extremely painful for a couple of hours. He has a poison in this little barb of his and it causes nerve pain, neurotoxic pain, extreme pain for a couple of hours. Now, it doesn't, for most people, there's no long-term issue or no danger to life or anything like that for most people. But by God, it's painful. And we're hearing from West Cork in particular places like Inchidani and the big, 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 big beaches of, of West Cork and down into Kerry, big beaches in Kerry, where there's a lot of sort of wet sand and shallow pools and lovely warm water that you... There's loads of weaver fish at the moment and they'll sting you. Uh, the Cork County Council Beach Guards on their Facebook page have a weaver fish warning uh, how to treat the sting. Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's very painful. If anyone's ever been stung by a weaver fish and would like to describe it to me, 0818 96 96 96. Coming up in just a sec, this. Every morning it is 12, 12.30 at least before I'm finished washing and dressing dad and get to come downstairs and start my own day. The problem is like there's another hour again at night getting him to bed. Yeah. And it's like the morning's in reverse. If you're caring for somebody with high levels of need you lose all of your help all of it what do you do then 0818 96 96 96 Sunday mornings Cork's 96 FM brings you The Arts House Interviews with actors and theatre directors Concert news and show reviews Live studio performances And festival roundups Exhibition info and the very latest film news The Arts House The Arts House Sunday mornings 8 till 10 With Griffin's Potatoes Keeping Cork families happy and healthy With the new season's queen Cork's 96 FM Quickly to Chris Hi Chris, were you stung by a weaver fish? How we doing, PJ? I was there uh, about 15 years ago. There now, I was out with the cousins. We were camping down in Kerry, and we uh, we stopped off on a beach. And um, I wasn't even out that far. Um, and uh, hello. Keep going. Go on. Oh yeah. Uh, no, there was. Um, I just got a sting on 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 my foot on, on the big toe, and I came in, and I thought I was after standing on a piece of glass or something, maybe or or, or like a crab or something. I don't know, but. Um, I started, my whole system went into shock straight away almost. Like the body starts kind of almost shaking. You know, I didn't know what was wrong with me. It, it, it's like um, the whole system kind of goes into shock. Like yeah. uh, some fellow was passing. He realized he was local. Like he said that that beach was kind of common enough that we were fished that year were common enough. So he said, get to a doctor straight away. Get get some antibiotics into you because it, it'll only get worse, you know. Right, and, right. Uh, like it was, it was a few, it was a couple of miles to, to, to the closest doctor. And, um, 
I like I was fairly young at the time, but like you're, you're I was in, I kind of went into shock or something because I, I kind of stopped crying. You know, the, the pain kind of almost went. It was my father was actually worried about me. He was like singing a song there. I ended up singing something ridiculous. The cousins were laughing at me, like you know. But I just didn't care at that stage. It was just. Uh, the body just didn't know what was going on. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And and was there pain, Chris? Can you remember? Oh yeah. Well, it, it was excruciating at first, but it, but after a while, then it was almost like the the body just went into shock, and it, it didn't feel like pain. Then after a while, it was almost like I was it was almost like you were you were tripping or something. Do you know what I mean? You're probably in shock as a result of the pain. Yeah. And and you were okay. How quickly did it take to sort itself out? I think it was a few hours before I was I was back to normal. But once I got the antibiotics into me, it started calming down. Anyway, do you know, it was like probably. I don't know, it was about 15 years ago, so I don't know, about two, two, three hours or something before it was kind of calm again, do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Chris, thanks for that. Uh, be careful of them. They they, they hide. They're, look, they live there. They're not hiding. They're in the sand, just buried under the sand. You can't see them, and you'll walk on them. And what's very useful, and you'll pick them up now for a tenner in, in any sports shop or equipment shop, those little boots that people wear surfing, I wear them swimming now. Myself and the boy wear them swimming all the time for any number of reasons. But they are—they will protect you from weaver fish stings. They say with a weaver fish, it's water as hot as you can bear, as quickly as you can get it onto the onto the sting, and that helps to dissipate the poison. Someone's saying, "What's the best thing for a wasp sting? Is it vinegar?" I don't. I don't know. Does anybody know that best thing for a wasp sting? Is it vinegar? Staying with the weather, Mag says, it's only a matter of time before there's that naming heat waves. You're not wrong, Mag, actually. They're, t- they're talking about that. Uh, already need to name heat, w- heat waves in future summers. Weaver fish known as the wasp of the sea. Nasty and dangerous in young kids. Yeah, and there is a warning out there at the moment that they're very prevalent because of the temperatures, because of the fact that the little shallow areas that they like are very warm. Just be careful walking on the beaches. Okay. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I will be talking... I, I, we were contacted by the Walsh family in Baron College. Sandra got in touch. And she said, look, my family is in a terrible situation. My dad has very advanced dementia. He's non-verbal. He has poor mobility. Thankfully, aside from this, he's very healthy fully engaged in family life loves getting out for coffee and cake always happy, always smiling mom and I care for him full time we want to continue to do that we used to have two carers calling three times a day seven days a week now we have nothing we lost our service entirely a month ago we're physically and mentally exhausted I've gone to politicians, I've appealed to the HSE to no avail. It doesn't appear to be anybody's priority. So we have no option but to go public. That's a note we got from Sandra Walsh in Balancholic. So I went to meet the family. I'll let you hear that next. Westlife play Parky Queeve this Friday and Saturday. So we're throwing the biggest pre-parties on Leaside. Join Cork's 96FM on the boardwalk at Tequila Jacks each day from 4. As we bring the vibe for Westlife Live. Catch Cork's 96FM presenters on the decks alongside the street fleet. With freebies up for grabs. Freebies up for grabs. 
Tequila Jacks, the only place to be in Cork City. Friday and Saturday from 4pm with Cork's 96FM. So I'm sitting here in the Walsh House in Ballancolig and Jim is here in the room with me. Hi Jim, Jim won't respond to us and I won't be talking to Jim but I've been hearing all about Jim and all about Jim's story from his wife and from his daughter, Sandra, who joins me. Sandra, tell me about your dad. He's sitting here. He knows I'm here. He, he's aware of the different voice in the room, but, but, but tell me about that. Yes, PJ, dad is fully aware of what's going on around him. Dad is 73 years of age. Dad worked all his life until he got a stroke at the age of 56. And from there, we knew there were issues um, that slowly started to show their colour, basically, Mm. over the coming years. And he was finally, at the age of 65, diagnosed with vascular dementia directly as a result of the stroke. For the first four or five years, Dad was actually doing very well. It was hardly noticeable to the outside world that he had dementia. There were little things, but nothing major. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, in late 2019, he contracted sepsis, which did an awful lot of brain damage because it was septic shock secondary to a urinary tract infection. And Since then, he has progressed very quickly in his dementia journey and is now non-verbal, almost 100% immobile Mm. and is dependent in every facet of Mm. daily living. You you said to me the only thing he can do for himself is breathe. Independently, the only thing he can do is breathe. He can move his hands, he will move his legs off the chair, the footplate Mm. on his wheelchair, but that's more um, involuntary yeah. than mm. independent voluntary Walking movement. or moving, anything independently has gone, long gone. Long gone, yeah. long since gone. Yeah. Um, Believe me, I'm looking at him here now, he knows I'm in the room. He, yes, his eyes, his eyes are moving. with everything. He, yeah, yeah. The eyes engage with everything. He does try to speak. Yes. The odd word will come out. It could be anything from a whisper to clearly spoken. Yeah, tell me about Coke. You were telling me about he asked for Coke the other day. Yes, we had dinner yesterday and he had had a can of Coke around dinner time, followed by the usual glass of water. And Mum and I were clearing up the kitchen and next thing out of nowhere, he just said Coke. <laughs> and the two of us looked and we're like, what did he, did he just say Coke? And I turned around and said, do you want another can of Coke? Yes. So off he got the he's can of coke. There. I don't care whether it was no. a sugar rush. He got his he's can still, of coke. He's still in there. He's all. The, he's a messer. Yeah. And yeah. he can communicate with his face, and he yeah. will wink the eye. He, yeah. The face is fully functioning. Yeah. yeah and he yeah. will start laughing at yeah. you, and yeah. the fa- the face communicates he, he, everything. He gave a little smile there a few minutes ago when we were chatting before I started to record. So you had you need. You had a full home care package for Dad. What went wrong and when? Okay, well, we had a full home care package. Um, It was funded by and provided by the HSE. That entails that two carers call to the house three times a day, seven days a week. What it was in our case was they would get Dad out of bed in the morning, wash and dress him. Mum and I would take over then after that. So we would get him downstairs, give him his breakfast, basically start engaging him in the everyday activities of mm. normal family life. Um, 
the carers would call back again around 12 p.m. The purpose of that particular visit was to try and mobilise dad. Now, mobilise dad could be anything from helping him to stand. But on a good day, he may walk from our living room to our front porch and back again. Very inconsistent, totally not predictable until you're in the moment. Right. At night, then they would call again and it would be the morning in reverse, basically quick freshen up of the handsome face into the PJs mm. and into bed. Mm. You have you, you brought me around the house. You have a remarkable lift that goes from downstairs up to his bedroom. You, you've done an awful lot here yourself and your mum to make the house suitable for that. Yes, it's not... We, we haven't done anything in the house that makes it a hospital-type no. environment, but it's all perfectly adapted for Dad's needs. Now, we did all of this on the advice of healthcare professionals. Mm. Um, we are very heavily instructed and assisted by the public health nurse, the physio and the occupational therapist from the HSE. They are all fully aware of how we care for dad at home, that he's not just left sitting in his chair parked in a corner. So they have assisted us in engaging him in family life. So they advised us um, approximately two years ago that we would need a through floor lift for dad if we didn't want to adapt the downstairs of our Mm. house. We decided to go with that on the basis that with dementia, consistency and familiarity Mm. is key to survival. It is 100%. If you veer off course at all at all, Mm. you are causing a cognitive decline in in the individual. He he, he needs familiarity every day, every moment. Uh, So this through floor lift afforded us to maintain dad living upstairs for his sleeping hours and washing and bathing time. Mm. So we got that in and we adapted Dad's bedroom. He has now switched rooms directly with myself. Mm. We have a uh, timber floor in place. We have the hoist. We have commodes. We have named the toy or a piece of equipment and we have it. it. It's really, really impressive. Now, the care package provided by the HSE, that stopped. When and why? That stopped. Uh, we're into our fourth week now of working on our own mom and I. Um, literally, we had a care package on a Sunday night, but we had been informed that it would be coming to an end about two weeks prior to that. We were pleading with the HSE not to leave it come to an end or to find an alternative source of care, but they've been unable to. And we are now caring for dad on our own, mom and I, doing all the physical, personal care needs. Mm. It came to an end for reasons which are a little bit vague to us. The best we can come up with... Did you have is, an agency? We, yes, we had an agency. The best we can come up with is that there were staffing issues and it seems to be common across the board, both private and public. Mm. Um The agency did give some reasons to the HSE. We don't quite agree with those. And to be fair to the healthcare workers that engage with us regularly, they backed up our point of view. Yeah. That's neither here nor there in the sense that it doesn't get us help back for dad at any stage. All of the things that you've described to me that the carers used to do, you and mum are now doing. Uh, Describe a typical day. 
Okay, well, a typical day starts in the morning, um, early. We wake Dad up. Dad, we're very lucky Dad sleeps through the night. So we're not up overnight with him. If we're up to use the bathroom ourselves, we would check in on him. But we never have to physically set an alarm to wake up. So mum and I do get a full night's sleep. So we would wake dad up around 9am. Mum gives him his breakfast. He eats very well. He has to be fed, but he has a normal diet. There's no modification of any description at all at all. Once he's finished his breakfast, I then come on board and I do the physical lifting, turning, what have you. So the first job to be done is to actually get a sling for dad's hoist placed under him on the bed, flat. So I do the turning. Now, normally two individuals would be involved in turning a a person like dad who can't assist you in any way themselves. Um, I'm doing this on my own. Mum puts the sling in under like him. You can't just say, Dad, lift up your both bum no, there. No, 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 no. You no, can't yeah. even say, put your arm over. Right. You actually have to assist him. You tell him, give yourself a huggy so that he puts his arm across his body. You have to hold that arm in place while then getting your two hands over the other side of his body, one assisting his upper arm, one assisting him on the bum and physically turn his weight so that he has now done a 45 degree turn. This is exhausting, Senda. It's very difficult because I'm very petite myself. Dad would be considerably bigger than me, both in height and weight. Um, Now, I am strong Mm. and I am healthy, but it is exhausting. I have to do that twice. I have to do it once to get the sling in under one side and then the second side. Um, Then we have to hoist him out of the bed and get him onto his commode chair. That is physically demanding as well because you actually have to catch the sling that is holding Dad in midair, basically. You have to pull it and make sure it is over the commode chair And while mum does the remote controls, you gently lower him down onto the chair, making sure he's seated properly so that you can actually access his body to wash him and toilet him properly. So you then bring him to the bathroom? Bring him to the bathroom. Um, I send mum downstairs to get on with her morning, basically Mm. cleaning up around the house, whatever she wants to do. And I do the washing and dressing of dad on my own. Now, when we had two carers coming in, we actually had them sharing the task between them. Because you would of leave the stuff out. Yeah, You'd leave the clothes out and they'd do everything they, else. We got everything ready for them. They just had to physically wash yeah. and dress them. Yeah. I don't want mum getting involved in that because, and not because she doesn't want to or wouldn't, but I have to respect the fact that she's the same age approximately as dad and she's not my age she doesn't have the strength she had 20 30 years mm. ago and i'm very strongly of the opinion that at her time of life she should be sitting down relaxing not pulling and hauling a 95 kg mm. approximately man yeah yeah when i arrived he was sitting out the back enjoying the sunshine and oh. at this time in your lives your mom should be sitting with him and there should be no worries like this absolutely absolutely um, so, like, when he is dressed then, I call mum back upstairs and we bring him from the bathroom into his bedroom and we transfer him to his wheelchair. Now, he is very, 
very good. He ha- he will do things for me that he will not do for mum and that he will not do for any carer. I do not know why. Mm. It's just the way things are with his dementia. So I can actually say to dad, we'll do a standing up. Now, I may have to say to him once, I may have to say to him 10 times. Mm. Depends on the individual day. But eventually he will agree with me and I will get a little whispered, yeah. I know once I get that, yeah, that it has gotten to his brain that he needs to do a standing up. So I'm able to assist him to sit forward and just a gentle tug of the arms and he will actually stand straight and strong for me. That way mum is able to pull up his trousers, take away the commode and just drive his electric chair in and he will then sit down on it with me. Now, there are days when he's poor enough at that and you're going oh my god I'm on my own holding him he's at risk of a fall oh dear mom mom hurry up with the chair yeah but there are other days when I practically don't even need to hold him yeah but the thing Which is you don't know until you try it's inconsistent yeah. there is no foreseeability in it I can't tell by looking at him yeah what way he's going to react yeah. Because of that, it is very, very dangerous for me to be doing this on my own. Mm. Because when the carers were here, the two of them would assist him in standing and either mom or I would be there to drive his chair into place. We never left one of them hold him on their own for his safety and their safety. And I'm conscious of all you described to me in the last couple of minutes. We're still upstairs in morning time. This continues throughout the day. Every morning, it is a good 12, 12.30 at least before I'm finished washing and dressing dad and get to come downstairs and start my own day. Yeah. Um, because we don't have the 12 o'clock call, we can't even attempt to walk dad because it would be too dangerous. Mm. Um, so he is missing out on that. Now, the danger <laughs> is that being in week four, I'm thinking he may never walk again. Yes. Not even take one step. Because up to four weeks ago, he was, with the help of the carers, making maybe taking a few steps. It could be a few steps. It could be a shuffle. It could be run a marathon. <laughs> it, all, like, it could be just standing up. Yes. But there was the possibility of doing it. Now, so, sometimes in the middle of the day, I will attempt to stand him up. Yeah. And he will stand for me. But it's a case if you don't move the chair... Because if he goes down, he's going down hard. This And I, I, I hear the love in your voice. You do this out of love. You do this because you want to. You can't keep going like this. Well, the problem is like there's another hour again at night getting him to bed. Yeah. And it's like the morning's in reverse. You're hoisting him onto the bed. You're making sure he's, he has a super pubic catheter. So you're making sure his catheter line is clear. You're making sure that you connect the night bag to the day bag, that everything is hooked up properly. Now, there are things I don't mind doing, but it, I could do without the physical leaning him forward in his chair with one hand, putting on his PJ shirt with another. I could do without the standing him up to pull down his pants, standing him up again a few minutes later to pull it back up like they're the things that take the physical strength and the time. Look in an ideal world we wouldn't need anybody to come in and help us because for dad's dignity and privacy it would be better that we be able to do it forever all the time ourselves but there is a reality here that nobody caring for another person can do 24-7 physical and psychological yeah, caring it, it's all very, in one. And 
for you and for Mama, it's very mentally difficult to exhaust. I imagine you get into bed at night exhausted. Uh, we're exhausted before we get anywhere near the bed because typically it's around nine o'clock before either Mom or I get to put our backsides on a seat. And you're actually exhausted and you sit down and you say, oh, such a thing is starting on the television now. We'll watch that. One or both of us are probably asleep before it's just half an hour in and we completely miss what we wanted to see. And as a result, you don't actually get any downtime. I know. You go from doing your daily activities, caring for dad yeah. to sleep. And you're back up and it's all around in the same vicious circle the following day. Now, the reason you invited me out here, and I'm so thrilled that you did, and I'm delighted to meet you and mom and dad and everybody else, you are pleading, pleading to get some help in here. I am, because I have pleaded with the HSE, I have pleaded with politicians, and I have pushed our position forward and the only answer that's coming back is no help is available. We're being told that there's simply no staff either within the HSE organisation itself or within the private agencies to take up dad's care. We are told that he requires very high level of care, that his needs are very high. It depends on your interpretation of the definition of high needs. If you're saying he needs two people for health and safety reasons, yes, he has high needs. If you're saying that, oh, you have to do everything for him, for the carers coming in, it's not high needs because they're only being asked to get him out of bed, wash and dress him. Mom and I do everything else and have always done everything else mm, for Dad the same during at the night, day. Get him into bed. Same at night. The idea of home help is to give the full-time carers a break. Yes. We don't have that break. Now, it isn't that we ever, when they came, swanned off down to the local coffee shop and left them to do everything on their own. We were always here in the house. Mm. We never left carers on their own. But it's an opportunity when they come for, even if you have to make a phone call mm. or you want to do your washing or... Yeah. I've been involved in third level education myself recently and I might want to spend half an hour looking up something with that because I've gone back as a, a mature learner to sort of upskill and reskill myself. We don't have those opportunities now yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Who are you appealing to today talking to me here? Who directly are you appealing to? I am appealing to the HSE. And by analogy, Anybody, private agency or otherwise, who is in a position to help us. We need two carers We in the mornings and in the evenings. We don't need them for hours on end during the day. We just need them to do the basic personal hygiene care for that. And the funding will be provided because it was provided before. The funding is there for the HSE to provide this care. I've had this discussion with managers within the HSE. Funding is not the issue. It is staff. Yeah, And they look at you and go, I'm sorry, we can't do it. That's fair enough. I do understand the issues. I am not denying that those issues are there. But there has to be priorities. Sure. And if you have lists and lists of people who need home help, you have to prioritise that. But to have a service and lose it 
going from everything to zero. If we had gradually lost our service, it might be one thing, but to go overnight from everything to zero is not sustainable. No, no. And it's, you know, with all the, the love in the world, you can't do this long term. Mum can't do this long term. Well, I hope I can, but I know that there's a reality. Yeah. I, I'm not 20 anymore myself. I'm in right. my 50s. So I know that as I get older and as dad's needs maybe increase he may stay the way he is for the next 10 years yeah it could be a week it could be tomorrow we don't know yeah but I know that the longer it goes on the more unsustainable it becomes as pure basic exhaustion sets in and I know that this is a countrywide problem I know that it's happening with young children I'm not saying that we're more important But I'm saying that somebody somewhere needs to provide help where it's needed. The HSC have a policy of keeping people at home as independent as possible for as long as possible. Well, we're doing that. We want to do it. Dad asked us when he was diagnosed with dementia to never put him in a home. But we're not just keeping him here to abide by his wishes. Mum and I want him at home. I think both of us would drop dead if he was gone out of the house tomorrow morning. Yeah, I know. We'd I know. miss him terrible. Well, I can see by the expression on his face and Jim, I, I know you understand and you're listening to a different voice in the room. I will do anything that I can. Okay? And uh, you understood exactly what I said there. I'm just describing for listeners his facial expression changed. He understood every word I just said. He did, PJ. I can, I can actually nearly interpret his facial expressions because he and I speak the same, act the same, think the same, and have done all our lives. And he was basically saying to you, "I know, thanks." Sandra, thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much for coming and helping as much as you can with our situation. Really appreciate it. A lovely family. A lovely, lovely family. Um, Sandra has been in touch with us since I went to see them on Monday. She said she's just spoken to the HSE Home Support Office for the Cork Kerry region. There's no sign whatsoever of any help coming available either directly from HSE or through agencies. They're now on week four of doing this themselves. As nobody's been out to assess Dad, we know we're at least another two or three weeks away from getting any service. The scary part is we all know it'll be even longer that there's no sign of an assessment. I contact the office about twice weekly to see if there's any change. Yeah, it's just not... There is a shortage of staff. There's a chronic shortage of staff, and we know that. But there has to be an answer. There has to be something. There just has to be. Listen to that, lady. It strikes to me the government always do the dirt on home carers, says this message. And it seems so short-sighted because the government part in financing putting someone in a home or the cost of treating the elder person is massive. If the home carer makes a mistake from exhaustion or just can't do it. You'd wonder if these people understand finance at all. Any professional would tell them a little time spent now or a little money spent now can save a large cost in the future. And home carers, the likes of Sandra and her mum, are saving the state Millions. So there. 0818969696. On a happier note, Premier League Live back this weekend at 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh, 
powered by Talk Sport. Live coverage this weekend of Aston Villa versus Everton. That's 12.30 Saturday. Arsenal v Leicester at 3. And Brentford against Manchester United at half past 5. The Premier League live online with Harry Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Comedian Pat Short will be performing at Crookstown Hall on Saturday the 13th of August at 8pm as part of Crookstown Vintage Festival. The festival which takes place on the 13th and 14th of August will see lots of fun for all the family. There'll be displays of vintage cars and tractors, live music, a dog show, flower demonstrations and much more. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to Cork Diary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary With Tusla Fostering Now seeking foster carers from a diverse range of backgrounds in Cork See fostering.ie Cork's 96fm The lines are live And we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we're getting a few calls now for people who have some experience with uh, weaver fish stings. Nasty, nasty sting. Very, very painful sting. For the most part, it won't have any drastic effect on a person, except maybe a small child. But, you know, be careful if they're, they are out there. They are in shallow water, warm, shallow water. So literally the shallows and the sand there in the evening time, you know, when the tide has gone out and the, it's been a hot day and the water's lovely and warm and the temptation is to splash around. There will be weaver fish everywhere. Just be very, very careful. It's a very, very nasty sting. We're getting quite a few calls about it now. People who have that experience of weaver fish stings. Also, something else to come in, and this is good advice. Someone rang in who is taking tetracycline-based medication. Now, if you know what it is, you know what it is. I was taking it recently, actually, myself, up to about May when I finished a course of meds for something that had been bothering me and thankfully it's all cleared up now but tetracycline medication comes with a little warning and that is to stay out of bright sunshine tetracycline doesn't like the sun and its effect on your body is brilliant it heals whatever ails you but it doesn't like the sun and someone was on saying uh, I've had a few terrible days I'm on well-known antibiotic that has tetracycline but I never read the label warning about sunlight it reacts to the sun it feels like I'm burning from the inside my skin appears like it's been scalded, the pain's awful I just put it out there for people like me who don't read the label I was blaming bad sun cream no, if you've got a medicine of any kind for tetracycline, I know a lot of people take it when they have acne and stuff like that so, if you have tetracycline medication, you are advised uh, to avoid bright and direct sunlight. Okay. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Deputy Colm Burke of Finnegale has been calling for a change in the VAT regi- regime when it comes to defibrillators. Now, budget is in a few weeks' time, as we know, or 
maybe six or seven weeks' time, as we know. And there's a new tax package all over today's newspaper, various report and speculation as to what's happening with tax. But Cullum, you want the VAT removed from these public defibrillators that we see in the street. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Absolutely. I mean, it's 23% is the VAT rate on defibrillators. And remember, in relation to these defibrillators which are out in the community, most, the vast majority, 100% of the money is collected on a voluntary basis uh, from people who contribute because they feel the need for it. And then they're finding they're having to pay a 23% VAT in purchasing the defibrillator. Now, it appears that under EU regulation, it wasn't possible uh, uh, to have a zero VAT previously, but there's been some changes in that. I've been looking at that, and it now gives the government flexibility that they can bring forward this change in the forthcoming budget. That in fact, there would be no defibrillator, there would be no VAT on defibrillators. The other one that we are looking for, uh, where there's been also a change in uh, the EU approach, and that's in relation to non-oral medicines, and that would apply in relation to hormone replacement therapy or HRT. And we're also looking for the VAT to be removed on that. Yeah. And, and like, it's really 23% on the cost of the defibrillator is a huge additional cost that has to be paid. I remember this being discussed a number of years ago, Colm, and a point being made that most of these defibrillators are provided through charity funds. Absolutely. And I thought charity funds were not subject to VAT. No, I think if when you buy the defibrillator, there is there is VAT there, um, <clears throat> and you see a lot of the that's the the, the the some of the charities may not be liable for VAT if they are registered charity, but in a lot of cases you see the defibrillators are bought. You know, a local community group get together; they're not a registered charity, so that means so they can't get the VAT back. They can't get the VAT back, so that may be the case in a lot of cases. And are you saying that it was illegal? To zero the VAT on defibrillators. It was the regulations from the European Union provided that VAT could be um, was allowed on um, some medical equipment, but not in relation to there was a zero VAT on some medical equipment, but not on all medical equipment. And particularly, it didn't apply. The rules didn't apply to defibrillators. Right, and I know that you, in previous <coughs> life, of course, you were a member of the European Parliament. I think you sat on the health committee out there. That that law has changed now and changed in such a way that Pascal Donoghue, your own minister in your own government could actually do this or would it be Michael McGrath could actually do this well, we, well it would be part of the, the, the um, budget package um, that you know there is flexibility you know, there that wasn't there before it's time to bring this change likewise it's time to bring the change in relation to HRT because HRT yeah. is, um, is extremely expensive if you have a, a VAT on that oh. it, you know if you can reduce something by 23% it's a huge reduction. Oh, I spoke to someone recently who got their HRT for a month and on top of the drug scheme, they were paying nearly 300 quid. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I think it's important that we bring these changes because these are about, you know, saving lives or helping people yeah. to live, live a better life. And I think we shouldn't be putting a tax on that. And I think it's important that we bring about these changes. And these are... While they're they're small changes, they're important changes. Yeah. I think that's the that, and it's I suppose. Well, Colin, you don't need you don't you don't need me or my listeners <coughs> to remind you that you are, of course, in in government. So a visit to Pascal Dunhu's office could be beneficial. 
Absolutely, and we've been on to him over the last few weeks on this issue um, because... and uh, He's not uh, a man who gives anything away when he's talking. Is, yeah. he, is he minded to do this? I think he is. I think we can get the change. And I think once you get it out there, and that's the importance of, um, you know, stations like yourself, local community stations, where, you know, you, you're getting a message out there. There's a lot more people aware of it now by you highlighting it. And as a result, then people can uh, lobby their own individual uh, public representatives on it as well. And I think it's important that we get that message out there so that the message go clear, goes clearly back to him mm. from all parties. And I think that's the important thing as well. Talk to me briefly, if you would, <coughs> about the whole tax package. Our newspapers <coughs> are full of speculation this morning. Lever Edgar has been talking about this 30% <coughs> middle rate of tax, which looks very attractive for, for middle-income people. They would save a few bob. But it wouldn't be so fair on someone who doesn't earn enough to make that 30% bracket. It would be a bit sort of disproportionate that way. Yeah, but we have a problem at the moment in that people are going on a higher level of tax at a very low rate. Once you go over, I think it's 36,000. 36,000, yeah. yeah. Which is ridiculous. It's not even <clears throat> the original situation. <clears throat> whereas in the UK, I think you can earn up to £50,000 sterling yeah. before yeah. you're on the higher rate of tax. And I think we have a whole lot of problems here now. In particular, we have a lot of people who are earning, say, over 36000 They're then paying um, a lot of money in rents. And, you know, they're not getting any um, assistance. And I think we've got to make it easier yeah. for people to be able to, you know, the, the amount of money now that, you know, out of people's income that's going towards It's ridiculous. Do you, do you think that, that <clears throat> there's a realistic prospect that 30% might happen? <clears throat> I think it is. I think we've got to change the, 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 um, the, you know, the, the figure that people hit the higher tax rate. I think mm. we can do that. Wouldn't it be better can... to, to <clears throat> index link it with the average industrial wage, which moves from time to time, and, and give a guarantee that, that nobody lower than the average industrial wage shall ever pay the higher rate of tax? That seems like more logical. Yeah, I, but it. there's a number of things we can do on rate of tax, but we, we've got a whole core of people in the middle income group from, say, 35, 36,000 up to, say, 60, 70,000 who are getting, you know, have huge tax bills. And they have, they have very little, um, you know, if they, uh, if they're having to pay a mortgage or if they're renting, then they're finding that very little drive a car, feed children. <clears throat> yeah, they're very little spending money, yeah. and I think we need to make sure that there is a fair system yeah. for everyone. And we have a lot of work to do in relation to. Um, as you know, one of the big changes that's happening as well in relation to funding is that the number of people who are retiring is continuing to increase mm-hmm. and people are living longer. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, you take, we have 740,000 people over 65 at the moment. Within eight years, which is in a very short time frame, we will have a million people over 66 years of age, which means there will be a huge um, there would be a huge increase in the amount of monies we have to set aside for pension. But it's important as well that, you know, we continue to increase the number of people in employment because <clears throat> if you go back to 2011... Well, we're almost at full employment now, are <clears throat> we not? We are, yeah, but the important thing is that if you go back to 2011, we had 1.8 million people working, we had 15% unemployment, but we had about 600,000 people who were retired. So we had, for every three people working, we had one person retired. 
we now have 2.5 million people working. We still have the same ratio of three to one working. Um, if we have one million people retired, we would nearly need to have three million people working. Because if you look at countries like, say, Japan and China, they have a huge problem now, whereas for every person retired, there's only one person working. Therefore, there's a huge increase yeah. in taxation. I know I'm getting a bit complicated now. Well, no, but, it just <laughs> means the, 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 the state pension for those who have retired is paid for out of the, out of the tax bucket and, and that's and the PRSI and, and that, that makes sense. So you need more people working to give more people a pension. We've lots to learn about taxes and changes in taxes over the next few weeks. Colin Burke, thank you. Um, filling LTD, Colin Burke. I'll come back to this with him and others over the next few weeks, but he's looking to get, and look, he's in government himself, he's looking to get the VAT removed from defibrillators. Now, did you know, and this is what he's saying, did you know that the defibrillator that's down on the side of the road in your local village or in the street, wherever you are, that the charity that put that up there, that raised the money, that had the quiz, that had the, the race night, that whatever they did, darts match, whatever they did, they had to pay VAT when they bought that. They had to pay tax when they bought that. That's bonkers. So he's trying to get it removed. He's in government. If anyone, I mean, if you can't get it removed from within government, when can you get it removed? Thank you, Cullum. 0818-969696 on the weather and heat and hoses and water and we'll be talking later about dogs and cats because my two oh my lads are suffering at the moment me poor little black cat got in under the table yesterday morning and hadn't come out and last night was so funny I went out to check them and let the dogs do their, their nighttime business and there's there's me little black cat Holly have come out from under the table for the first time since about 9 o'clock yesterday morning she's come out from under the table and she's bammed off on a chair in the cool of the night just gas but Eugene says if you have a hose in this weather Remember to pack it flat. It's full of water, obviously, when you turn it off. And then the water is literally standing there all day in the heat and is getting very hot. So you turn the hose on in the evening and you go to spray it. It actually could be so hot, sometimes it'll burn you. Now, Eugene used to have, uh, used to be involved with hoses in a previous part of his life, shall we say. Um, so he knows what he's on about. That's an interesting point. Because we all do that. It keeps the hose from kinking. If you keep it full of water, it keeps it from kinking on the reel. But not good in this kind of weather. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Now... There's a change coming in the junior cert cycle. The National Council for Circulism, Circulism, Curriculum, where did I get that from? The National Council for Curriculum and Assessment has published a draft course for all pupils on sex education. Now, there's a period of public consultation underway and it'll be rolled out from September 23 as far as I can gather, not September 22. It'll cover consent, gender stereotypes, well-being, relationships, pornography, the sharing of sexual images, and it'll come in at junior cert level. 
Uh, Professor Louise Crowley joins me from the School of Law at UCC. Louise, badly needed, you say, uh, and not before time. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Yeah, this is an incredibly welcome development for our young people um, to, I suppose, recognise the world that they're living in, the challenges that they face on a daily basis, and to give them the language and the education and the tools to navigate what can be very um, troublesome and challenging situations and to, and to have positive experiences, I think, is really important as well to allow them to have relationships, but to have positive relationships. We might have thought in the past that junior search cycle was a bit young to be learning about these things. Our thinking has changed. Yes, thankfully. I mean, in reality, um, junior search cycle um, is um, very appropriate for this type of education. I mean, there's an argument to be made that um, it, it, we need to talk to children in fifth and sixth class in an age appropriate way, because more and more uh, research is showing us that young children are being exposed to pornography and to inappropriate content and are also experiencing sexual hostility and harassment in their own lives at a young age. So absolutely, this is necessary at junior cert without question. And to deny that would be to deny the world that the, the young people are living in. Now, you were part of pioneering the bystander intervention programme. We've talked about that on the opinion line previously. And I think through that work, you've discovered an even greater need for the kind of courses you're talking about. Yeah, in a number of ways, PJ. So firstly, in working with the young students in UCC, so um, the cohort who come from Leaving Cert, the 18 and 19 year olds, in discussing this work with them and when they take the training, it becomes very apparent that a significant number of them have already been exposed to sexual harassment and, and violence. You know, some students disclosing incidents of rape, particularly at Debs and other occasions. Um, and so it appears that the students are leaving second level, either already having those horrific and life changing experiences or indeed perpetrating those. So the embedded toxic behaviours are happening at a young, a young age. And so as a result, we've also I've developed with the support of the Irish Research Council, a pilot programme for second level, which is currently being delivered to TY students um, in 45 schools across the country. So there's a huge appetite for it. The teachers want it. The students are so grateful for the opportunity to have the safe space and to be given the learning that they will otherwise have on street corners or with their friends or through the internet and that's that's not policed and, and so we have the opportunity with this new curriculum to make sure that they're getting appropriate and correct information to allow them to, to live safely and positively. Is it fair to say that if you don't learn as young as is possible what is unacceptable and what you are entitled to call out you get to a point in your late teens where you're actually kind of powerless because you haven't learnt what's not okay. Yeah, and, and you're not only powerless, but you know you don't even recognise it sometimes, PJ. I, again, I have this with my research with the students in UCC. You know, they talk about going into a nightclub and of course they're going to get groped in a nightclub because that's what happens in a nightclub because the type of behaviour that they're being exposed to, if it's not challenged, becomes normalised. And it's very difficult for anyone, but, not, and, but especially a young person, to be the voice to speak out and say, hang on a second, that's not OK. So if it's happening amongst their peers on a regular basis, it becomes harder and harder to call it out. So if we not only give them the, the ability to recognise it, but if we teach it amongst their peers, they develop a shared recognition, but also a shared desire to change it and also a realisation that they can change it, that it is within their gift to say, hang on a second, that's not OK. You can't say that about her or you can't do that. And then calling each other out, that is incredibly powerful, far mm. more powerful than me standing at the top of a room telling them, you know, what's OK and what's not so OK. They can, they can decide 
and they can, I suppose, um, assert and claim the standards of behaviour and respect that they deserve. And so they learn to identify that, realise it and also demand it. So it's incredibly empowering as well. Mm. So we're not dictating to young students. We're giving them information and we're empowering them. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's a delicate thing, isn't it, Louise, to a point? Because, you know, guess what? We were all teenagers in our time. And a certain amount, and I'm wording this as carefully as I possibly can, a certain amount of fooling around is part of being a teenager. Now, going back in the day, we didn't know the lines. They were never taught to us. The lines are there. They're now very clear. Teenagers will always fool around. It's part of growing up. We need to teach them and they need to understand for each other, for themselves, where the lines are. Well, I suppose it's really important. That's where consent and recognizing healthy relationships comes in, PJ, because it, we're not saying don't have a relationship. You know, we're yeah. not saying, uh, you know, don't kiss somebody. I mean, absolutely not. We have to respect everybody's individual autonomy. But what we have to do is allow all people, young people, and this is a cross-generational issue. We just happen to be talking about the second level curriculum. You have to be able to recognize uh, what's not acceptable. You have to be able to acknowledge the importance of what the other person wants or doesn't want. And whether it's verbal or nonverbal, you have to be completely aware, you have to communicate and you have to recognize that. So what we're doing is that we're allowing people and giving them the language to, to, to say it, to, to express it, to expect it, but also to watch out for it. So we're recognizing that everybody has a role to play and it's not just for one person to say, no, I don't want that. It's for the other person too to be aware and to respond appropriately and respectfully. So mm. Um, it, it is about making the, safe, the, the, play, the space safe for, for young people and also allowing them to recognise where the limits are. I mean, you say people know now the, the, the limits and the lines are very clear. Are they? I suppose no. that's a question we have to ask. And that's exactly the point of this education. Very we have fair. to presume, you know, you know that, that, that they need this information and that we don't know where their starting point is. And everybody at that age has a tablet or a phone. So they are getting information from very unregulated resources. And we know it's not particularly young boys when they, it's not if they'll see porn, it's when they will see yes. it. And we know that they're, they're accessing porn at 11, 12 and 13. And so we need 
need to reconfigure their thinking because if that's all they see and that's all they hear, you know, there's a very warped view of what a sexual yes. or any kind of a relationship looks like. So this is why these conversations have to happen. So the headlines about oh, young people being taught about porn, you know, that's just scaremongering and really unacceptable mm-hmm. because this is very serious and we need to see it as a really positive and for Ireland, a very mature step yes. that finally we can encourage young people to talk about this. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point. Like the the, the education system in this plan is recognizing what we've all known for years. It's like you said, it's not a question of will they see it, it's when they will see it. And the education system here recognizing we know they're seeing it. There's nothing we can do about it. We can't stop it happening, but we can help them with it. We can. And we can we can get them thinking about what they've seen and what's wrong with it. And if we can get in at that point and get them realising they don't just watch it and take it as a given, as acceptable or as what's appropriate, they can challenge it. And they're well capable, but we have to allow them the safe space to do that. And that's why I think having it in the schools is very valuable. First of all, because it can be evidence-based and educational. We can train the teachers. I trained 140 teachers um, in March to deliver my TY programme and the appetite was huge. So yeah. I absolutely accept that this is sensitive and challenging for teachers, but they're very able and they're properly and adequately supported. They will be delivering it. And then the, the, the magic of it is that they're learning it in the classroom with their peers. So it's not just mommy and daddy sitting down with Johnny having the conversation. It's Johnny having the conversation with all of his classmates. And if it's a mixed gender school, all the better yeah. because they learn about the impact of what they think is a bit of crack yeah. on the girl who sits across the way from them. So it's really valuable to bring this to the classroom. It's not some old guy in a tweed jacket at the top of, at the, at the, top of the room. It's, it's themselves. Oh. Lastly, Louise, you, you, from third level experience, of course, you're based in third level. It's if children are, I say children, if teenagers are not learning this in school, they come into UCC or any other third level. That's an mm-hmm. enormous culture jump. And you're finding sure first years overwhelmed by what greets them sexually, as mm-hmm. it were, when they get into college. Yeah, and, and in their own heads, the expectation, sure, everybody's having sex, so I better have sex. So it's this, this you know, the, 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 I suppose when we don't facilitate the conversations, young people can only presume that they need to get in with the gang and the gang are doing a certain thing. So we do facilitate those conversations as well. So the first day students come to us in UCC, we have a dedicated training for them on, their, on the day they walk in, in on consent and bystander training. So not only do they learn about, you know, the, the lines you spoke about, that how to behave and how to recognize recognize what your partner um, wants in terms of a relationship in the moment and um, but on top of that also to recognize your role as a member of the campus community so if you hear something or see something that's not acceptable you don't just walk on by because if you do you're part of the problem so you have the capacity and the tools if you take the bystander training to very safely and effectively say to somebody you see whether you know them or they're a stranger you can step in and you can say something or do something that will you know will call out that behavior mm. and will help to demand that appropriate level of respect right across the UCC community so we can ensure that every student has the positive experience that they deserve. If you take two questions, one of which is acceptable, the other which is not. One is, can I have your phone number? That's acceptable. Can I have a nude? It's absolutely not. Yeah. 
can I have a nude? Yeah, I mean, that's the rock we'll all die on. It's just so prevalent. And so asking that question will become completely unacceptable. I mean, this might sound silly, but I say to my students, it's a bit like smoking in the pub. Back in the day, PJ, you know, when we would go out, when we were teenagers, you came home reeking whether you smoked or not. But nowadays, if you're in the pub and somebody lights a cigarette, you go, oh my God, what's he doing? It's so terrible. He's that guy. So that's what I want it to be like on campus community or in society generally. Somebody tells a rape joke or somebody shares an image of their girlfriend or whatever and everybody turns around and goes, what are you doing? That is not acceptable. So the type of behaviour should be so unacceptable by all of us and we should all be so able to call it out and see our role that that type of behaviour then is shunned will happen far less and then we will have less escalated uh, behaviour in turn. So this is the type of way that we can all contribute and that's the essence of the bystander intervention programme that we all have a role to play because we're all members of society. So trying to instil that in our young people means that they then can recognise their role and they can develop a new normal for young people. Imagine, you never get asked for a nude, you never get groped in a nightclub. You know, how wonderful would that be? Everybody respects you. Nobody will put a hand on you until you say, can I put a hand on you? You know, this is the way people need to behave. Do you think that in 10 years' time, if we were having this conversation again, or whoever's doing our jobs in 10 years' time, we're having this conversation, do you think there will have been a change? I truly hope there will. I have seen differences through my research in UCC. I have students amongst their peers and with strangers calling out behaviour and they say, you know, if I hadn't done the training, I would have just walked on by. It would have been easier. And they've stepped in and supported, for example, young a young woman, you know, who's on her own trying to walk home and she's inebriated, you know, supporting her to take her home or putting her in a taxi. This type of behaviour where people see their civic responsibility and they step in. So in terms of societal change, I think that can happen, you know, slowly, steadily in terms of consent and the education. Well, we're coming from a low bar in terms of the second level. I think the teachers will embrace this and I think the young people will bring that education forward whether into third level or into their jobs or into society and I think too this will permeate in sports clubs, youth clubs and other places where we can allow these conversations to happen safely and then collectively and I would be very hopeful and positive that through education like anything else we can really change mindsets and in turn behaviour. All right, Louise thank you very much Professor Louise Crowley who's a professor at the School of Law in UCC Counting down to Westlife with the biggest free parties on Lee the biggest free parties on Lisa. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, we've been finding out a bit more about buses and wheelchair access, etc., etc. Get to that in a second. But it's the biggest weekend of the summer. The weather will be scorchio on Friday and Saturday. The perfect way to bring big gig to town. Westlife, Parky Creed, Friday and Saturday. And we have the biggest pre-parties on Side, Down at the boardwalk at Tequila Jacks with Cork's 96FM. Every day from 4, Friday and Saturday. As we warm up for Westlife. Warm up in this weather. You can catch us on the decks down there alongside the street fleet. And freebies, lots and lots of freebies. Tequila Jacks, the only place to be pre-Westlife from 4. Friday and Saturday, only on Cork's 96 FM. And you know what? There might even be some tickets there. You never know. Now, we were checking out yesterday a few things to do with arrangements for the gig. Buses, first of all. I'll get to the blue badge situation because it's a strange one. Blue badge situation with the gig is odd, to say the least. But it, it is what it is. First of all, buses. Uh, Bus Aaron, uh, remember we had all this 
confusion at Elton John over what is and what wasn't happening. But bus area are very clear now about what's happening this weekend. They say Route 202 or 202A operates every 10 minutes down towards Mahon Point. It serves Ballon Temple. So you can take the 202 or the 202A from town and get off at Ballon Temple. And that's only a few minutes' walk down to Parky Cueve. That'll get you there. The 212 uh, goes from the railway station to Mahon Point every hour, and that also goes through Ballon Temple. So you've three bus routes serving Ballon Temple, and that's the closest a bus will get you to Parky Cueve. 202, 202A, and 212 and stop and get off in Ballon Temple. They also ask to use ask you to use the Leap card if you have one or indeed to have your cash ready, the right amount of cash. I'd advise anybody these days, I don't want to sound like I'm advertising it, but I guess I probably am. I'd advise anybody these days to have a Leap card because it's pretty, and now you can top it up off your phone as well. Uh, it saves you a fortune and so handy. But yeah, they're they're advising people to use Leap cards or exact fares if they have is available and busairin.ie their website's available all over the weekend with any updates now with regard to wheelchairs and mobility parking and all of that the marquee site is available for people who need to use a wheelchair as in want to come in in a car and they have a wheelchair and all of that they will be accommodated in the marquee the live at the marquee car park however there's a catch. Your ordinary—I don't know why this is—but your ordinary blue badge won't get you into that car park by itself. You have to get onto MCD and get a pass. There's an email address: resident at mcd.ie, and you can contact MCD in relation to any issues between eight in the morning and eleven at night, right up to the days of the gig. So, if you're a blue badge holder, your blue badge won't get you in to park. But if you get a pass through MCD, you will. So, you have to contact them and go to their website and email them. And all. It's a bit of a rigmarole, but it is what it is. Someone messaged us yesterday as well to say they had become disabled since purchasing their tickets. I wondered, how did that happen? Well, of course, these gigs were first... Um, announced in late 2019 and were supposed to happen in 2020 and supposed to happen in 2021. Now this is 2022, so you'd forget that. So someone has acquired a disability or a mobility issue since they purchased their ticket and they couldn't get through through Ticketmaster to get some help. Um, we've been in touch with MCD and we're hoping, hoping that we can get that started. 0818 96 96 96. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Irish National Opera and Cork Opera House presents The First Child, written by Donica Dennehy and Enda Walsh. A huge hit at the recent Galway Arts Festival, The First Child is the triumphant conclusion of Dennehy and Walsh's uniquely dark operatic trilogy coming up in September. Access all areas. Clonakilty is 
International Guitar Festival is turning 18 this year and it returns to West Cork on the 9th to 18th of September. Some of the artists playing at Clonakilty this September include Andy Irvine, Arissa Anderson, John Spillane and Susan O'Neill. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer on Courts 96 FM. Someone wants to know after the concert, will the 202 service still be coming back into the city? I would assume so. But we can find that out. 0818969696. Want to talk for a little while about chronic pain and dealing with and living with chronic pain. Not so much from a medication point of view and that kind of way of dealing with pain, but from a psychological point of view. A what? A psychological point of view. The psychology of chronic pain. I'm joined by Keelan O'Dwyer, who is a psychologist and life coach at Fettle.ie. She's a behavioural psychologist and Fettle is Ireland's trusted online therapy service. Keelan, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. There are many drugs and many drug therapies applied to chronic pain, but but looking at it from a psychological point of view, your your own interest in this is you yourself have a chronic pain issue, and so share that one before us, if you could, please. Is that what gives you the insight into it? Perfect. So I have painful bladder syndrome so it's otherwise known as interstitial cystitis so it's chronic pain and inflammation of the bladder i've had it around six years now my experience you know no two people experience chronic pain the same or have the same journey but i began getting symptoms about six years ago and at first it was kind of niggly pain but it kept getting worse and worse and The first year was really tough, like I really got very down, low, kind of took to the bed. I was a practicing psychologist at the time when I was experiencing pain, but from my own personal experience, I started researching into it and trying different things. So I'm hoping today sharing my experience and sharing what changed my life might help others out there who are struggling. Yeah. With chronic pain, um, do we get... I say we as a collective, if, if someone has chronic pain, do, do you get used to it always being there? Does your mind learn that isn't going anywhere, so I need to deal with it? Does the mind work like that? I don't think anyone fully gets used to having chronic pain. Um, and from my experiences, there's kind of some days where I notice it more than others. Yes. There is times where it's really in the forefront and then there's times where kind of I'm looking more broadly at life, but our minds can begin. So where kind of the problem lies is when the mind tends to dominate and take over. So when I first had chronic pain, as soon as I would step out of bed in the morning, it was the first thing I think about and I would think about it all day long. So that's where talking to a psychologist can really help because getting hooked into those thoughts. You know, anyone with a chronic pain condition, there's a saying that someone with a chronic condition is hit with two arrows. The first arrow is the physical pain, and then the second arrow is the secondary pain, which is the stress, the emotional distress, and kind of the mental health difficulties that come with having a chronic condition. 
Like, do us, do you, does one ex, expect it? Does you and you get up in the morning and oh great, I have no pain right now, and you're going about your business, going about your day. Are you subconsciously expecting it? And then, when you have a good day, you can turn it into a bad day by thinking too much about it. So. Yeah, and the mind does that, and that's completely natural and normal. So kind of my experience and other people I know of chronic pain is sometimes we might find something that works and we'll get like really hooked into it. Maybe it's a certain type of stretching or it's um, a certain type of supplement and we'll kind of be really hanging on closely to it. And then when the pain goes, comes back, we can be really disappointed and really down. And then there's times where we can get really, really hooked into it. So an example of this is we can get into a vicious cycle. So for me, my pain is worse at night. So what I found, especially at the beginning of having chronic pain, was when I would wake up in the morning, I would get out of bed and I'd be thinking, oh, I'm really tired. Oh, what if I don't sleep tonight? So all day, every time I check the clock, my anxiety would raise because it's coming closer to bedtime. And then when I get into bed, I get anxious about my anxiety so I keep looking at the clock and I'd be like oh you know it's 11 o'clock oh I'm in pain and oh my anxiety is getting worse and then I might get sad about my pain angry about my pain and then I'd look up and it's four in the morning and I've gotten no sleep so when we're in those kind of vicious cycles we can stop the vicious cycle at the beginning so what I do now is I get myself set up for bed because I know it's a difficult time for me so I wind down a bit earlier You know, when those thoughts come up that I'm not going to get any sleep, I kind of just say, "Okay, thoughts, you know, reminding myself that these are just thoughts. They're not the they're not the reality of the situation. And this is where a little bit of self-care and self-compassion can help. It's kind of showing up with kindness to yourself, acknowledging this is tough. And one thing that really helped for me was taking the clock out of the bedroom. And I, I can't believe it took me so long to do that because every time I would look at the clock, it would be a reminder. So that's really helped. Right. And, you know, working with a psychologist, you can look at, you know, ways and approaches and kind of techniques, you know, breathing techniques can be so helpful for chronic pain. Different tools that you can use when you're having a flare that can be really beneficial and improve your quality of life. Yes, yes. Like, if you build your life around the next flare, you're not getting the best out of your life, are you? No, and another thing that's really interesting about chronic pain is a lot of kind of the self-help books and the social media stuff on chronic pain. A lot of it is based around getting rid of the pain first and then living your life. And I really fell into this trap, so I was really hooked into okay, I'll start living my life once I solve this problem and once the pain is gone. But I, you know, I was working in corporate as a researcher. Actually, just by chance, I discovered a therapy known as acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's radically changed my life. Like, my life is just so much better now. Every day, I'm just so thankful that I found it. But ACT kind of posits that, you know, here's the pain, but let's build a rich, full and meaningful life in spite of the pain. So yes, there's pain there, and there's things we can do, there's lifestyle changes, there's talking to professionals, there's kind of ways we can manage and deal with the pain, but let's not let it get in the way of us living the life we want to lead. Let's reconnect with what's important to us, because so often with chronic pain, we can stop doing the things we enjoy. And in my case, my life became really small, so I had the pain of having a chronic pain condition, but then having a small life as well because I wasn't really doing sure, kind of hanging out with friends or doing the things that were important to me. 
how important is it that the people around us, the people close to us, understand that, for argument's sake, Keelan has a plan, we're supposed to meet for lunch, and suddenly Keelan's got a really bad day. It's important that I understand Keelan's got to cancel at half as twelve because she simply can't manage with the pain. That's very important to anybody, isn't it, that your understanding of their condition, even if you can't see it, Yes, yeah, so a common theme in chronic pain, with chronic pain conditions is that people are generally not believed and they're kind of told unhelpful things. Oh, but you look well. You know, I've heard that a lot. But you look well. Or you, people have the best intentions. So, you know, a lot of friends and family, they'd be like, oh, well, if you just manage your stress, you'd feel better. But to someone with a chronic pain condition, they're already trying their best. Yeah. I think it's really important that friends and family kind of read up and kind of get to know more about the chronic pain condition. But I also feel it's important. And one thing I've learned from my experiences, there's two sides to this. So when I first had chronic pain, my relationship suffered, but that was because I wasn't, I kind of self-isolated and I wasn't hanging out with anybody. And I was so consumed with my pain that I didn't really notice other things that were going on for my friends and family. So therapy really helped me see my part in improving my relationships And it's all just about open communication, kind of letting your friends know, kind of telling them um, for anyone out there who is suffering and they have a partner, a family or loved one, you know, for them to get therapy as well or to take part in a support group can be really helpful. Yeah, We, we, We do talk about people with chronic pain conditions and they go to a pain management specialist, they go to a doctor or whatever. Therapy could be useful. Uh, And your suggestion, Keelan, is look it up and try it. Oh, of course, therapy. I it's well. In my case, it took me six years to get a diagn- official diagnosis, um, and that's that's not totally uncommon with chronic pain. It can take a while. So in the meantime, while I was kind of waiting for that medical intervention, you know, therapy was so helpful. Any therapy that's embodied, so acceptance and commitment therapy, somatic experiencing just making sure that it's a therapy that kind of integrates the body because that mind-body connect is so important and you need to recruit your body as an ally to overcome the pain. So it's all about kind of finding equilibrium in the body. You know, the breathing exercises, kind of decreasing the stress response in the body has such an amazing impact on pain. Because we understand now, don't we, a link between physical pain and mental wellness? Oh, yes, there's no separation from the mind and the body. And, you know, going to a therapist and kind of talking to a therapist can really help with the low mood, kind of the difficult experiences you have from having a chronic pain condition, that quality of life piece and the anxiety that comes with a chronic pain condition, which we talked about, kind of thinking, overthinking about it, becoming consumed about it, you know, working with a therapist can help you kind of unfold from that okay. and increase your well-being. That line isn't the best, but thank you uh, for it. Keelan O'Dwyer, behaviour psychologist from Ireland's trusted online therapy site, Fettle.ie, which might be a good place to start if you are looking for therapy to deal with chronic pain, as well as whatever drugs and treatment your doctor has you on. As Keelan said, therapy uh, may well help. Talk therapy, the many kinds of different therapies. Start by getting onto that website, Fettle.ie. Keelan O'Dwyer, thank you. Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning sports show. Right, right here, right then. The 
score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as the Cork Camogie seniors and intermediate teams bid for All-Ireland glory. Right here, right now. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. Right here, right now. On Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 Fabulous out there this morning. Um, 23 degrees now, rising to 27, 28, 29. Yes, it's very, very hot. It'll be uncomfortably hot for some people. Uncomfortably hot for our pets. And I'll get to that in just a minute. We're getting a few calls. Have had a few calls about the weaver fish. Weaver fish are native to this part of the world. I didn't know that until I heard it on another program. They're not some strange invader that's come from the tropics. Weaver fish are they're they're as Irish, they're as native to us as bacon and cabbage. We were at Rocky Bay two weeks ago, says this call. Uh, my son was coming out of the water at low tide. He he said he thought he stood on a shell, but a few seconds later his foot was severe pain. I thought it was a splinter or something, but a local couple then brought us a dish and some boiling water and said Alex had been stung by a weaver fish. He was in agony. The man poured in the boiling water gradually and it drew out the poison. Alex was in a lot of pain and a lot of shock. He nearly fainted, but thankfully the hot water helped and we gave him paracetamol then so he didn't need any more medical attention thanks to the couple being there. That's what they say you need to do and if you get stung, go to the lifeguard hut because they know what to do. You start apparently in a dish or a bucket with relatively cool water and then you start to pour boiling water into it don't pour boiling water directly onto your foot for god's sake you start to pour so you start with like a dish or a bucket of relatively cool water you might take straight out of the tap put your foot into that and then start pouring in boiling water until you can bear it no more and then stop and when that starts to cool off top it up again top apparently it takes about 20 to 40 minutes and that will dissipate the poison in your foot. That, that's what they say. I've thankfully never experienced it. Uh, but certainly a lot of weaver fish about and well worth watching. And if you are going swimming, particularly on our sandier beaches, it doesn't happen on stony beaches. You'd be unlikely to come across a weaver fish, for example, in, 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 in Fountainstown, where a lot of the beach is very stony. But, or down there, say, the end of the slipway, where a lot of people like to, like to swim. You're not going to get weaver fish there, but... Maybe down around Inchidani or any one of those. Or Onahinsha. You have long patches of sand. Or Ardmore. You get a lot of... Just be very, very careful. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I'm getting to get home out of here as fast as I can at lunchtime. And the first job I've got to do is let my two dogs out. They're in the kitchen, in their bed with plenty water and plenty food and the wind is open as much as we can allow while we're out of the house but when I get home I just leave them out the garden let them run around try and cool themselves down give them more fresh water they suffer in the heat our animals suffer in the heat they can't take off layers of clothing like we can 
and they're stuck with it and it's very hard for them because they're not used to it they're just not used to it and Dog Action and Welfare Group has been talking on its Facebook page about you know people being mindful of caring better for their dogs uh, and they're not used to this heat so we have to be very careful of the conditions in which we leave them. Moira O'Sullivan joins me from Dog Action and Welfare Group. As I say, Moira, I can't wait to get home to my two lads to let them out of the kitchen and open the door so they can come in and out and give them some cool, fresh water. Can I do any more for them? Morning. Well, I mean, you'd, you'd be lucky to get mine off the tile floor in the kitchen, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> They're absolutely loving the, the cold tiles. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose we're getting a lot of reports of people having, you know, dogs locked up outside without um, without any shade or any access to water, that's obviously crazy. Um, and, and you should call the guards, basically, if, if you really? see something like that. It's, it's yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's quite possible dogs could die in this heat. Um, so it's, it's, it's probably time to start reporting those kind of things. It is animal cruelty. Um, but we also have, like, a lot of very well-intentioned dog owners um, who maybe just, again, aren't used to the heat. Like, we're, we're not used to it in Ireland that much. Um, and, you know, even myself, I've seen people, you know, walking dogs in the middle of the day in the last few days and kind of thinking, oh, I don't, that, no, not not at midday, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it's just, um, I mean, common sense would be the, the first thing. Um, definitely don't take your dog out in the middle of the day. Um, don't forget they don't have shoes on. So if you're walking on a hot footpath or on a hot road, their their paws are on that hot yeah. road, yeah. um. So not a great idea. Definitely wait till the evening if if your dog needs a walk. Um, things like paddling pools are really useful. Well, one of mine thinks the paddling pool is the greatest thing of all time, and the other thinks it's um, probably a murder attempt. Um, you know, yeah. misting them with a hose. Same story. One of mine thinks it's a great treat. One thinks that we're trying to kill him. Um a damp towel for them to lie on mm. or um, even just, you know, rubbing them down with a damp towel. Um, there's a mad rumour on Facebook that ice is for some reason bad for dogs. Um, the only the only time ice would be bad for a dog is if they were already actively having heat stroke. So you can put ice in their water bowl. Um, frozen carrots are a big treat in my house. Um, you know, you can, you can freeze some low sodium stock or something like that if they won't, you know, eat ice itself. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do to keep them cool. And all of that goes double, triple, quadruple for brachiocephalic dogs, which are dogs with a smushed up face, Yes, basically. Yeah. Pugs, so pugs your pugs, bo- your yeah. Frenchies, your boxers, your mastiffs, um, anything that has a, a smushed up face is going to find it much, much harder in the heat than mm. any other dog. Because they struggle um, so to breed anyway, really those careful particles. of them. Yeah. That's it, yeah. So the heat is even worse for them. Something I noticed myself in the last couple of days with one of our dogs um, was that he, that he, that when you put the, the water down from him in the kitchen, once it reaches a certain room temperature, he won't touch it. He walk away from yeah. it. And you have to go back yeah, and change yeah. it for him. So the, my first job when I go in this afternoon is change Harry's water and he'll fall yeah. into the bowl. Yeah, um, I did. I mean, I the other day I left the water where I usually leave it inside the glass door, and sure, when I when but they were ignoring it, and when I touched it, it had actually gotten really warm in the sunshine. So yeah. it wasn't going to do them any good. It wasn't going to cool them down. Um, so yeah, just just making sure the bowl again. You can put some ice in it to try and keep it cool for longer. But I mean, even in this weather, 
the ice isn't yeah. going to last long. So it is just freshening it up constantly, really. And ke- keeping yeah. a door open for them to be able to go in. We're keeping doors open anywhere for ourselves. But they'll wander in and out. Yeah. Again, there's something you notice. They'll wander in. They'll go to sleep in the, under the table. Then they'll wander out. Yeah. Maybe have a bit of business in the garden. Wander in. They're yeah. able to regulate themselves once we help them. Exactly. Yeah. And like if you have, you know, if you if you have a fan in the room or whatever, and um, maybe just, you know, making sure that it's somewhere like that they can look, my guys like to lie in a, a row in front of the fan as well. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, if you so if you if you're having a fan for yourself, like just giving them access to that as well. Um, I mean, it's really it's all common sense things. But like in Ireland, we're just not used to it getting to 30 degrees. Like, yes. so yeah. um, we just need to think about these things. But there are obviously dogs living in much hotter conditions who are absolutely fine. But we just need to be sensible about it. Yeah, you know, the, the walk, the walking of the dog at, at, at midday was something I, I thought, you know, I saw someone actually doing it. And I thought, yeah. right, would you now put on a hat and coat and a tracksuit? Yeah. And go out and walk in that. And you wouldn't. Why do you and in your bare feet. <laughs> and in your bare feet. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of an idiot are yeah. you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's obviously, it's people who are very, like, obviously very good dog owners who are making sure their dog gets the exercise they need and the care they need. But you know what? Like, like I have a, a dog de Bordeaux, which is a, a brachiocephalic breed. Like, he isn't getting a, a walk this week. He's, yeah. he's, you know, he's going to be entertained in other ways, but like, it's just not safe in this heat to be taking him for exercise. Like he's, he's not able for it. Yeah. So um, things like, you know, if you have even, you know, if you freeze treats into ice or something like that, it gives them a bit of mental stimulation um, and maybe they won't need as much exercise in this heat anyway. Um, so it's just kind of being a bit wise about chasing, it. Chasing an ice, an ice cube with a biscuit inside it around the kitchen floor. Apart from that, and else would be That's, hilarious to watch. <laughs> What good fun and yeah, as much exercise as he probably needs in this piece. So. All right, but you're serious about if you see any dog tied up in a yard or st- ring the guards. Like we've, yeah, we've. I mean, the, some of the reports we've got have been literally dogs locked in sheds um, with no water. You know, that's that's absolute neglect. It's animal cruelty, um, and dogs will die in these temperatures if you do that. It's it's like leaving a dog in a hot car. You know, we all know you don't do that. Oh, there's but, one to come like, to. Do not. I mean, people love taking mm, the dogs out to the beach, for example, or out yeah. for a run in the country, yeah. wherever. Do not leave that dog in the car. No, it can happen in minutes. Absolutely, it can happen in minutes in this temperature. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it's not even if you're like, oh, it's going to run into the shops or whatever. Absolutely not. Not in this weather. Okay. It's just not safe. All right, Moira, thank you. Uh, Moira O'Sullivan from the Dog Action Welfare Group. Be sensible. That's about as much. They will actually regulate themselves if you give them an opportunity to do so. Our doors are open all the time now in the evening, and the two of them, they divide their time between inside and out, and there's a bit of shade comes at one end of the garden in early evening, and I noticed that Bella went off out yesterday and went for a snooze in the shade, and she was the happiest little dog in Cork. Just be be mindful of the fact that they're wearing a coat and they can't take it off. Um, PJ, I have a fan in my kitchen for my dog, so she's keeping very cool. She looks at me funny, though, if she comes in and it's not on for her. I don't, I don't. Actually, getting back to Weaverfish, did you see where Brian McFadden um, of Westlife fame has shared pictures of his face? He got a bee sting. It's on the Instagram, the 96FM Instagram it was on a couple of different news sites. Looked nasty. He had an allergic reaction to a bee. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we also? Here's one. A big shout to anyone, someone looking for wheelchair access tickets. 
for her niece on Saturday night. Now, we're trying not to identify anybody here, but just so you know, someone looking for a wheelchair access ticket for Saturday night as a surprise. They're all sold out. But if anyone has one that they won't be using, could she buy it? Uh, The little person involved is only six and has cerebral palsy and additional needs and loves Westlife. If anyone can help us there, it would be great. Absolutely great. On pain and chronic pain, PJ, I can totally relate to your caller who has chronic pain. I have multiple chronic pain conditions and I've dealt with them over 20 years. Marfan syndrome, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and fibromyalgia. That comes in from, from Cullum. I've been on a waiting list for pain management for four or five years since an injury in 2003. I got a phone call in April asking if I wanted to go private to get off the waiting list. I said, fine. They told me I'd be seen in eight weeks. I'm 15 weeks later, no treatment. The only difference is the reduction and the taking of my name off the waiting list. Yeah. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Did I see another message there to do with chronic pain? After I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. It's gone missing on me. Right. Sunday mornings, Corks ninety six FM brings you the Arts House. Interviews with actors and theatre directors, concert news and show reviews, live studio performances and festival roundups, exhibition info and the very latest film news. The Arts House. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 till 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Keeping Cork families happy and healthy with the new season's queen. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, we had a great night on Tuesday night. We gave out... The Cork's 96 of M Best of Cork Awards that you had been voting for in your thousands right over the last few weeks. She gave Best Hairdresser Award for Three Degrees. Best Beauty Salon went to Image. Best Tradesperson to Bernard Power Carpentry. Best Bar to the Beer Garden. How excited were they when they won? Best Coffee to Cafe Bia. Best Barber went to Barber Lane. And Best Takeaway went to Decent Munch and if we were awarding uh, a category of best name for a business I'd say Decent Munch would have won it as well but they were so just some of our award winners this week in the Best of Cork Awards 2022 with localheroes.ie your place to find trusted gas boiler installers plumbers electricians and much more only on Cork's 96 FM huge interest by the way big response to the chronic pain discussion with Keelan earlier on. Uh, I'd love to hear your own particular story of chronic pain, how you dealt with it, how you're dealing with it, how you approach life with uh, with chronic pain, because we'll be coming back to it uh, tomorrow. I can tell you that for now. 0818 96 96 96. Voting is coming up for Miss Cork. And I'm Talking to Saoirse O'Shaughnessy. Good morning, Saoirse. Morning, how are you? This year's Miss World Cork. So it's a big time, it's voting time. How do we get involved in this? Uh, So the voting is the Miss Ireland app. So Miss Ireland is actually taking place in, I think, nine days, which is absolutely mental in Castlebar and County Mayo. And all the girls are so excited and the countdown is on. So you can download the Miss Ireland app and then you get to pick who you want to win. It's a big vote. People, thousands of people get involved in this. 
yeah loads across the board like it's so funny the, like I honestly think that my own granny still thinks that I'm the cork rose and I just don't want to correct her because I don't think she understands it completely but it's amazing and it's honestly like I think the beauty pageants there's a bit of a stigma around them but honestly the good that the girls are doing and that the campaign is is surrounded like all around charity work and you know raising awareness for certain topics everyone has a story and we all just want to yeah. you know try and make the world a nicer place we, and we chatted back in May you and me remind us again about yourself yeah, so I'm a full-time care assistant in the CUH in the emergency department and hopefully all going well, I plan to be a paramedic in the future. Um, my Part of my campaign actually is all surrounded around emergency services and first aid. Um, it's a massive part of my campaign and it's actually quite scary the amount of people that aren't educated on first aid and like you don't have to be a doctor or a medical professional to save a life, especially with the air ambulance. You know, the only thing they need is your postcode. That's yeah. literally it. And the amount of people that don't know it is actually quite frightening. Um, and I'm also in the works of trying to promote ice cards. So, do you know the ice, PJ, that you would have on your phone? For in case of emergency, yeah. Yeah, so we're kind of working. I'm working with a lovely lady named Connie. She has um, a product and it's basically an ice card. It's like the size of a bank card and right. it will have your medical condition, your next of kin and your name. And it's just there straight away. You don't have to try and log into a phone. Like, God forbid, if you were in a car accident, you know, your phone is going to go flying or you left it at home. And it's just something non-intrusive and it can literally save a life whether and you're a diabetic. You keep this in your wallet or something, yeah? You do, you keep it in your wallet. There's also keychains. There's also um, a product that you can put on a seatbelt. You know, the things that try and not to mark your neck and stuff, the yeah. soft, spongy yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So it'll basically have your medical ID on it um, because people are quite embarrassed. You know, a lot of people with epilepsy and things like that, they don't want to just voice it around the place. And especially as you get older, we want our... Um, grandparents and the older generation to wear alarms and stuff but they are embarrassed and this is just a very non-intrusive dignified way of keeping them safe Right and are they available these products yet or are they still in development? They are there's a website it's called irishicecards.ie it's on Instagram and um, I'm going to be promoting it across the board and putting it up on my Instagram and promoting it as much as I can as well. Talk to me about the excitement in, in the run up to the final Oh, the excitement is massive. Uh, the support I've gotten from my county and my local community has been absolutely massive. I'm holding two charity fundraisers and the support has been brilliant. And yeah, just like, honestly, we went up to Dublin last week and we all stood up on stage and talked about our beauty with a purpose. Like, you know, anyone can stand up on a stage and look pretty, but you have to have values and core goals. You know what I mean? And all of the girls stood up and they were very vulnerable and they spoke about their experiences and it was really, really lovely. And unfortunately, the majority of thing across the board was mental health which is still a big problem in Ireland but really? hopefully we're trying to break through the glass of it Yeah, yeah Is there a tour around? Are you going to various parts of the country? I'm trying to yeah I was in Kinsale yesterday I went to the market I went to O'Connor's Pharmacy and I went to Cozy Cafe and I had a lovely mini breakfast so that was fab yeah. I'm heading down to West Cork next week and trying to hold down my full time job at the same I, time Yeah I was thinking that it, it must be hard though to go around done up in all your finery in, in, in weather like this Oh no, honest to God, it's so lovely and I love meeting people. I'm a social butterfly and I got my grandfather's gift as the gab so I'm chat away to anybody. I'm happy out to do it. Brilliant, brilliant. And can we, how do we go about voting for you? So the vote is the Miss Ireland app and you can um, just download it. It's free and you get one vote every day up until the final for the next nine days. And the final is when? Nine days time? Nine days time, yeah. 
Okay. You nervous? I am a little bit, but I'm more excited, to be honest. And um, we're having a bit of a family reunion for it, so I can't wait to see everybody. Great. Oh, is there an event? Or more th- rather than just a vote? I mean, th- there's a big event you all go to, is there? Oh, yeah. There's a, it's actually a two-day event. So there's a black tie ball on the Friday night, and then we have the actual final on the Saturday. Um, but it's it's massive. Like, we get, like, dinner, and, you know, we all just interact with each other and have so much fun like it's a massive big event I can't wait Okay and get back to the ICE project because I like I love that that, that project that, that, that you're, you're raising awareness but are you fundraising for that as well? I am I'm fundraising for the community air ambulance so I'll be holding a table quiz in Flannery's in um, Bishopstown uh, next Wednesday evening so um, you're more than welcome to come there'll be loads of good crack and uh, music and raffle prizes and everything okay, okay. That, that sounds like I might just pop along there I like you an L, I like an L more, quiz more than welcome alright Saoirse good luck with the voting and good luck with the event when it comes around I love the idea of this ice card and we'll talk more about that because it's very exciting and you're right everyone should carry that kind of information with them and good luck for the next nine days as the votes come in uh, for Miss Ireland. Saoirse O'Shaughnessy she's our Cork representative at Miss Ireland at the moment and download download the Miss Ireland app and you can do your vote and and, and all of that. Thanks Saoirse and good luck. 0818 just coming back to dogs and how you look after them in the heat I want to do this because they've been friends of mine for many a long day and they kept our dogs for many a long year whenever we went away. And they finally, and people will know them because this couple have been involved with dogs in Cork since God knows when. Um, They have finally retired from the doggy minding business. I speak of John and Teresa Clifford. Uh, John Clifford, you would know as the Cork's original doggy man, trainer and expert in all things dog. He used to hold dog obedience classes in what is now actually, what is now the courtyard on Sober Lane. In there, uh, John used to hold dog obedience classes there uh, at the weekends and they used to have kennels. And for hot weather, John had running water for the dogs. He had little bowls with running water into them. And he put television on for the dogs. And you could ring your dog. I'm telling you, you could ring your dog in John's kennels. And John and Teresa have retired after giving many, many years of service to hundreds and hundreds of dogs, including mine. And they are irreplaceable in that area. Absolutely irreplaceable. So happy retirement to my friends, the Cliffords. We've also been having more queries about blue badge mobility access to the gig and all of that. Moraid will be joining me tomorrow on the show to talk through the various arrangements, buses, transport, mobility access, etc. But what we do know we've been able to figure out, or to ascertain rather, is that your your blue badge will not get you down towards the stadium unless you get on to MCD uh, and they have an email address and you can contact them there. If you get on to MCD, they will give you a pass and that pass with your blue badge will allow you to park in the marquee car park. So it's not that the marquee car park isn't available, For people with blue badges, it is. But your blue badge isn't enough. Okay? You need to get on to MCD. They have an email address. 
think it's access at mcd.ie, access at mcd.ie, and they will sort you out. And we're told that they're across it all day, every day. And we're seeking to do what we can for people, all right? Speaking of gigs and great gigs, and looking forward to two super gigs this weekend with Westlife, all of the stars of all of the summer gigs are on our exclusive online station, the Back Garden Festival, Corks 96FM, streaming the biggest hits from the summer headline acts. They're all in there. Westlife and Elton John and we've got Dermot Kennedy and the Coronas and pretty much everyone who was at the Marquee and pretty much everyone who was at uh, Musgrave Park and Ed Sheeran is in there. They're all there streaming the biggest hits from the summer headline acts with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. You can listen on the app or go to 96fm.ie 081896 9696 and like I said any questions with regard to access uh, we'll have more aid with us tomorrow and we'll go through as much of that as we can now I have never heard of this before but I looked up the website and they look gorgeous they are in the middle of nowhere so if you can imagine a field or a meadow or, or just somewhere in the middle of nowhere and in the middle of it, right there, you put a little cabin, a little self-sufficient cabin. And you go there and you rent the cabin to go on a little weekend or a little holiday. They're called slow cabins. And there's a few of them around the country. Lisa Regan joins me. Lisa, what exactly is, because they look gorgeous, what is a slow cabin? Good morning. Good morning, you've really set the scene there, haven't you? It's beautiful, I don't know, it's because the weather is so nice this week, it's all just so evocative, all this language, but they're they're just this beautiful, stylish cabin that has been dropped into into Ireland, uh, launched just there on August 1st, and obviously it's been a long time in the making, but the sites in which they are have been carefully selected by the team at Slow Cabins Ireland to ensure that they are dropped into places of just like idyllic tranquility, so when people go to travel to these cabins, they are literally so encouraged to switch off naturally. And it's really all about just switching off and tuning into yourself and the company that you're in. Mm. And uh, really, the first location uh, that, that has been selected is just so beautiful. It's coastal. It's beside um, a lot of forestry. And it really is in a meadow, the first location. So it's idyllic. You don't give the location until a person actually books it. <laughs> No, because we've just so much choice in the world now. We kind of know everything that we're doing ahead of where we go, especially with travel and planning. You know, we plan our route there, how we're going to get to the airport, then what we do from there, you know, whether it's getting a bus or taxi or whatever. So with slow cabins, the idea is that you you decide you're going. And then after that, then it's like, okay, but where are we going? And the decision is taken away from you. You've decided that you're going to take this two day, two two night out. And then obviously the information is given to you then uh, before you travel, probably about 10 days before you travel. So you know where you're going. But the actual logistics of that is taken away from you because we just know the location. So it's it's a really good way and it makes people really relax straight away. It's like you're on holidays as soon as you get into the car. Right, right. Now, what they're self-sufficient. What what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So they're powered by solar, and you are given um, 
basically the water for, for you're given an allotted amount of water for your thing which is plenty over the two nights but that's from rainwater. Um, so we're not going off the grid. You have a lovely hot shower and everything like that and you have a gas cooker, you have a fridge and you have a fire pit outside which you can cook all your barbecue or if you want to do something like that as well too. But the idea is to use the energy of the cabin and the water in a very conscientious way. So you are going to be going in your head, well am I going to charge my phone here so that I can be scrolling on my phone or am I going to keep that power so that I can have a cup of tea maybe later on in the evening Right. so it's good, it gets you so really there, thinking there is electricity kind of, in them, solar powered electricity oh there is, yeah right. absolutely but it's just that it's uh, it's not. It, it just makes you think more and when you, when you get there as well too it's like do you want just two days off and a break from your phone and your laptop and everything like that and mm. not to be watching TV and stuff and just playing cards and having the chats yeah. and are they for two or can you get a bigger one yeah you can. At the moment, we have the ones um, that are for two, um, beautiful uh, inside. So they sleep two, very, uh, very spacious for two people. You have plenty of room to move around. Um, and then, of course, obviously, we bring the outside in. So there's beautiful glass panels within the cabin. So you kind of feel like you're almost sleeping outside, but you're in a very kind of stylish Scandinavian style designed interior, uh, white linen sheets and everything like that. So it's a lovely experience. Mm. It's not that like, you know, you're you're gone into the wilds, but you, you feel like you are, but it's in a, I suppose, a kind of glamorous enough style way yeah I mean look the weather won't always be like this and the nights won't always be as warm as this so if the weather (laughs) should turn nasty on you are you protected are you protected Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's uh, built out of like a Japanese wood and they're, and they're they're totally insulated and everything like that. So it's it's really warm. It's really cozy as well in the winter. But at the moment, obviously, we're having fabulous weather. But either way, you're protected from the elements. If it was a rainy day, you'd be looking out in it and you'd be feeling all cozy. And on days like today, when we're having fabulous weather, you just feel like you're out in it. So it's, it's prepared for all elements. So it's completely unspoiled. So, I mean, if I was to yeah. sort of book in now, say, for the weekend yeah. or maybe the next weekend, you tell me, mm-hmm. what do you do? You tell me where to go. You don't give me the exact location until I'm close. Oh, we by, do. Is it? Oh, no, no, we absolutely do. So once you've booked, once you, you've confirmed and you've booked and everything like that, you get um, this uh, a really, really good like kind of FAQ, you know, because there obviously are going to be loads of questions and you get a like all the information that you need, where it's located and everything like that. But we just encourage people not to tell people where they are, to keep it a secret so that other people can have the same experience that people have staying with us. They enjoy yeah. their time there, you know, because we overshare, you know, everything is on is online, right. you know, everything has That's to go right. up there. So it's really nice. So if you can go this weekend and even just say some of your pals or someone that you, you know, then in two weeks time goes and be like, how did you get on in the trip down in Slow Cabin? And you just kind of have a knowing wink with each other. You don't need to give it all away, but just say that you had a really good time and you had a total switch off. And it's nice as well too, people aren't knowing your business, isn't it? Where where is it? You'll have to find out for yourself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have a bit of power, isn't it? Back and not be like, well, wait till I tell you. And it's nice. So, so that's it's 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 just a good way to to switch off, have the digital detox, and also just spend time with the person or the people that you're with, and just give them your energy for the two days and the two nights, rather than the whole world. And about how many of them have you got now in various locations? <laughs> Yeah, so at the moment, the first launch is uh, there's four at the moment and in the new year, there'll be additional four in a, in an alternative location in Ireland as well too. So with the view to have hopefully about four different sites and locations um, by the end of probably 2024. So it'll give people a massive opportunity throughout the country to, to travel with these about two, two and a half hours from their home. And yeah, and I suppose I probably shouldn't even ask, but I'd ask anyway, <laughs> any secret Cork location being considered don't tell me where but are you looking at Cork 
Oh my God, of course we're looking at Cork. What a beautiful <laughs> county. They, they know, they know, they know exactly that, that the goods that are down there. But it would really tie in so beautifully with Cork, you know. Right. But yeah, definitely. But sneaky, sticky, but uh, we'll, we'll give you the heads up if it's moving in that direction. All right, okay. <laughs> well, it, sounds like, it sounds like great fun and a wonderful way to just check out for a couple of nights. That's Lisa Regan. Slow cabins, just Google it. It'll come up. They have a very impressive website. They look so good, so cool, so comfortable. Middle of nowhere. Solar powered. It's great. Slow cabins. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Pat Healy, is that him on too? Pat, who did you meet down at the railway station? Morning. Morning, PJ. Well, it was he met me. Who? Detective Inspector Steve Allen, line of duty. Get away! Look, I'm a massive fan. Who isn't? Yeah. He just he just showed up showed up at the train station. He got off the Dublin train and he was just going out. And I just turned my back into him and he was he was there and I said that's you, isn't it? And he says yeah, whatever. He was lovely, very pleasant, lovely guy, and he stopped for a photograph for one or two people as well. I see the picture here, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's. Yeah, you'd be a big fan of the show. I watched the first couple of seasons. You'd be a huge fan of the show. Oh, I would. A lot of people I know are as well. But it's like it's massive. It's it's probably got um, according to the BBC stats that I was looking up. It's probably the most viewed crime drama series in the history of the BBC. Yeah. So you know, a lot of people. I'm just surprised that not a lot of other people in this station yesterday didn't recognise him. Yeah. Because he was standing there afraid, just waiting on his. Um, driver to come and pick him up, you know. So that yeah, was lovely. He was very pleasant, and so was his partner. Yeah, they say and Jesus, uh, Mary, and the wee donkey. There he is. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And he's a, he's a lovely guy. Honestly, I mean, I know he really spent time then. A couple of another one of the lads walking with me got a photograph taken as well. He's very obliging and no pressure, you know. You so. you wouldn't be the he wouldn't be the only star you've met in in the line of work. Well, you were just talking about Westlife there, so if they're looking for a selfie, they know what to find me this weekend anyway. You know? Oh, they'll have to book with you. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I know, look, it's only a bit of fun, PJ, all down through the years. I met everybody. Who have I've you met? met? Everyone. Who have you met? Oh, oh Jesus, who, who do you want to know? Um, Sports stars. Bill, Bill Hurley, he was great. Oh, Bill, yeah, yeah. Bill was beautiful, He was, and his knowledge of the railway was something special. He was a hobbyist, actually. People didn't realize he that he died. Yeah, he was a hobbyist in the railway. Yeah. No, he was great. He had a, he, had a, he kind of, I thought I knew my railway stuff, but he knew a lot more. And I, I'd be third generation railway man there now. But he was always lovely for a chat. He'd always stop. Unfortunately, he left us too soon. Like, and, he did, he did. Um, I'd great. Donovan, Donovan, the singers, would, be, would have been a regular. Yeah. He'd always stop for a chat. Yeah. Oh, those great people, don't you? Killian, Killian was here two years ago and passing out, and I just said hello, and we were talking for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, it's only then I got into watching Peaky Blinders. That's right. So his, yeah. his recommendation. Is, I, isn't I isn't it a great thing about us, Pat, Pat as, a, as a country? We have such huge celebrities talent. and talent. Well, talent, I don't like the word celebrity. I know. Well, well, okay. Uh, we've, huge, we've, we've huge talent. We've huge talent. And, and these people can wander into a railway station as mm. ordinary as anywhere. Yeah. And just be ordinary. You know, whereas in the other parts of the world, they're surrounded by entourages and black buses and fellas in security suits. They just wander into the railway well, station, buy a coffee, tr- and off with them. Proof of that, last Sunday, now that we had the two Cockamogie teams going up. Mm. We had one going up on the 825, the intermediate team, and we had a senior hall 
come over the stairs going up on the 10.25. And mingling with the passengers, no hassle. Everybody was just to let's go about their business. And it's, it's great. It is. You know, minding what you said. Like, I had Neil McCafferty. Right, the great Neil was here on a few occasions. Great. Hard work, but very funny. <laughs> That's exactly Honestly, it. she was. She was hard work, but she was. <laughs> I was lucky enough to... My wife would kill me for saying this, but I was lucky enough to meet Sharon Lee Viola, and she was great. Right. Roy yeah. was there a few times, and yeah. you know yourself. And I know, yeah, I know yeah. I'm lucky that. Good man. Good and we're, man. Listen, it's a good job. I, I'm lucky I'm blessed with the job I have, like, over the years. Do you know what? I, I meet people and everything. I, I, and the minute, the minute I saw the picture, I said, ah, sure, yes, I know Pat. I know Pat. I've seen you around there, my, 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 my great you friend. You know something before yeah, I let you go, whatever. Probably the best of all that I meet on a regular basis is brother Brian Crowley. Really? Yeah, he's 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 um, stepped down this year now. He's stepping down this year after 65 years. Brother Kevin Crowley, sorry. Yeah. From West Cork, man, that's involved with the homeless in Dublin. Oh, the Capuchin, man, yeah? Yeah, he's no, he was the Capuchin. Yeah, the Capuchin. God, Pat, I didn't know he was a Cork man. Oh, he's West Cork, man, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know Crowley. that. Crowley, yeah. Crowley is, yeah. And, like, he's such a... I would just say Even when the Pope came that time, Pope Francis came, like, the only person he wanted to meet... And that's a fact. Was for the Kevin. I remember that. I remember that. The, yeah. the, 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 the television pictures of the two of them meeting. It was yeah. Different. He went to he went to uh, Bow Street in Dublin where the, the homeless. And look, that that is, he inspired me a long time ago to get involved myself here with uh, Catherine and Cockpen and was I mean, <laughs> and ten years doing that number with them. So and that was from Brother Kevin inspiring me to do that yeah. all those years. You know, every day, every day is a school day in this business and I did not know that the great Brother Kevin was a Cork Oh man. yeah, West Cork uh, man. Cheers. Pat, Pat, thank you for that and uh, great to, to hear about your meeting with uh, the, 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 the Line of Duty stars and all that. De, 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 you, everyone goes through Kent Station at some stage, brother. Thanks a lot. 0818 96 96 96. Can we give out the email for the blue badges for Westlife again? There are two coming up in my searches one is resident at mcd.ie the other is access at mcd.ie but can't overstress this your blue badge is not enough to get you into the marquee car park you need to contact mcd and let them know and they'll sort it for you but you need to do that you can't just rock up with your ticket and your blue badge I know not why I know not why, but I know that if you contact them, they will sort it for you. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. There's a very good question. Uh, and we'll check it. Um, I, think you, I think they will. I think they will. Will the original paper tickets from 2019 get us into the gig on Saturday night? I got no reply from Ticketmaster when <clears throat> I went to double-check it. Half afraid they won't get us in. Thanks for that. That's something worth checking. I'm sure MCD will have an answer to that, and maybe more aid can find out. She'll be joining me tomorrow uh, just to look at the preparations for the two massive Westlife gigs. Will the original tickets from 2019 get us in? Also, from Middleton, we had a call to say that um, some of the roads will be closed tomorrow from half six in the morning <clears throat> to 11, and again on Sunday until four to facilitate for the Iron Man. And yes, MCD have just confirmed your original tickets are valid. Your original tickets, whatever form they were in, are valid. 
So thanks for that. That was a quick response there. 0818 96 96 96. We are doing another one of our music panel surveys at the moment. A chance to win a hundred euro pennies voucher while choosing the music that we play. Just pop online to 96fm.ie. It's a 10 minute survey. Choose the tunes and you could win that hundred euro voucher for pennies. And you can do it now at 96fm.ie. There's an articulated lorry has overturned on the Shannon... Oh, my God, of all places. The Shannon Park roundabout at Carrigaline there, just the big roundabout at the bottom of the hill as you go left for Ringeskiddy and right for Carrigaline. There is an Arctic has had an incident there. We hope no one's... We hope no one's hurt. Hi, PJ. I got to shake Sean Connery's hand while they were making the great train robbery. Of course, the great train robbery was, uh, was partly made in Cork. That's right, that's right. All right, loads more there. Um, Lots of stuff on chronic pain, which we will come back to. Huge interest in it. But that's it, we're done for today. The programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. It's been a busy one. We're back tomorrow, just after nine. Ready to go. Showtime. Here's some of the winners from the Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. Best hairdresser, three degrees. Best beauty salon, image beauty salon. Best tradesperson, Bernard Power Carpentry. Best bar, the beer garden. Best barber, Barber Lane. Best breakfast, Market 18. Best coffee, Cafe Bia. The Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie. For trusted tradespeople with a 12 month warranty. Backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.